Hey church family, what a privilege it is to welcome you to Cornerstone Church Online. Um, I'm just going to go right into the scriptures here. I feel like there's a really pertinent message for our moment as a culture, as a nation, and as a people. Um, the, the big idea right up front, I want to just, I want to speak it and then unpack it. And then I want to pray for you, um, for those watching, that you would have discernment to know what it is, the battle or the, the assignment or the burden that the Lord wants you to enter into in this season where there are a thousand options, but how important it is to discern and know the thing the Lord is calling you to engage in. And so before we start, can I just offer a quick word of prayer? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the, the word of the Lord would come forth. I ask that the Bible would, would become living and active in your hands, Holy Spirit, as you are our teacher and the revealer of the very thoughts and intentions and, and desires of the Lord. And, and, and so, God, I just thank you for speaking to us and moving um, in our midst to today or whenever we're watching this online. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the big idea is you and I, we cannot afford to be engaged in an unauthorized battle that the Lord has not called us to. And we cannot afford to ignore the battle that the Lord is asking us to step into. We can't afford to be engaged in an unauthorized battle. And we can't afford to ignore the battle the Lord is calling us to step into. And really the big idea is taken from two stories, two great kings of Israel and of Judah. First, King David. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, or maybe not at all, uh, chances are you've still heard of a guy, David. You've maybe heard of a story called David and Goliath. Here's this young shepherd boy taken from obscurity the, the youngest, seemingly most insignificant of Jesse's sons, who is anointed king of Israel to replace Saul. Um, and in the book of Acts, he's called a man after God's own heart. He is a, a conquering king. He has a heart of worship, for worship, for prayer, for the presence of God um, in the center of God's people. He's an amazing, amazing king. Um, he has mighty men surrounding him. He has vision to bring the ark of God right next to his palace. He, he, he provides out of his own treasury, out of his own resources for the priestly ministry of, of worship and sacrifice and song and psalm. I mean, David's amazing, amazing. But like every king, every ruler, every leader leading up to the time of Jesus, he has one glaring, more than one, but at least one glaring knock against his dynasty and time of ruling. And this is this side of the equation. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all of Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites, besieged Rabah, but David remained at Jerusalem. So this is 
we can't afford to not be engaged in the battle that the Lord has called us to. King David is king. He's meant to be in the springtime out on the battlefield with his men. Instead, he's at home, kicking it, taking it easy. Maybe his logic is, I've already fought in all of Israel's wars and I'm the mighty man and maybe I get to cool off and take it easy and just enjoy the springtime in my palace. But if you continue the storyline in 2 Samuel 11, we meet Bathsheba. And the, the, the understanding here in the scriptures is when you're not engaged in the thing the Lord is calling you to enter into, the battle, the fight, the struggle, the burden, we are susceptible to temptation, to the lust of the flesh, to different voices, um, different things that pull at our heart, our allegiance, our affections. When we're not engaged in actively obeying that thing the Lord is calling us into, we, you know, whoever said it best, that, that idle hands are the devil's playground. And that's certainly the case here in the story of David and Bathsheba. He's not engaged in the war, in the battle that the Lord had for him. And we see the fallout. He should have been at, he should have been at the battle. He should have been out. Instead, he opened himself up to this great tragedy of, of having Bathsheba's hub, husband put to the front of the line, and adultery and, 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 and an affair, and then he has to cover it up. And then he... It's a tragic story if you continue to read in 2 Samuel 11. I'm just going to leave it there. You can go check it out yourself. But um, then they conceive, you know, in this adultery and that, that child dies. And we just see one choice, one compromise, one battle that we say that the Lord says is what you're to engage in. One battle, we just take it easy. We see the fallout when we have idle hands. We open our hearts, our minds, and our lives to lesser things than God's best and God's purpose for our lives. And so then Nathan the prophet comes and he confronts David with his sin. And David in Psalm 51, you can just read it. It's breathtaking. Instead of covering up any further, he repents and he, he confesses his sinfulness and he pleads for the mercy and pardon of God. And the Lord responds and and so that's David. That's this side of the equation. I'm trying to be quicker on these online sermons so that you'll make it to the end. So that's King David. If you fast forward hundreds of years, we meet that uh, after Solomon, um, David's son, second son with Bathsheba, the kingdom of Israel splits. We have Judah to the north. I'm sorry, Samaria to the north. And then you have Judah to the south. And so the northern kingdom has already been exiled by Assyria. And the, the, the kings and leaders of the southern uh, kingdom of Judah have been in compromise. Their rap sheet isn't all that much better than their northern neighbors who are now exiled because of their sinfulness. But God raises up this man named Josiah. that We find out about him in 2 Kings 22, 23, and 4, and also in, in 2 Chronicles um, as well. And here's this, this King Josiah. He's, he's eight years old when he becomes king. Um, Judah is compromised. They are, they are, the Bible says that they're literally worse in their sin under 
his predecessor um, Manasseh's sin, and they're they're sacrificing their children to the god Molech. They're committing adultery. They're worshiping the the Asherahs and the Baals, and like God's people have lost their identity. They've lost their fidelity to the covenant of God. And so this eight-year-old king, um, it, it says that by the time he's 16 years old, he begins to seek the God of his father, David. So God's hand is on Josiah, this king. And by 16 years old, he's learning to seek the Lord. And then it says um, six years, six, let me just get it here. Sorry, I don't want to miss in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, Second Chronicles 34. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of its high places, Asherah poles, and its idols. So here's this, this zealous young king, like David, passionate for the ways of God and his presence and his purposes. And he purges the land. He, he's just, he's un, unprecedented. The Bible actually says in Second Kings 23, Verse 25, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. So we see he's like this unbelievable king who surrenders all, who loves God wholeheartedly, and he just, he rids the land of its compromise and his heart and his life, and he purges the temple of their false idols and altars and statues, and he, he funds the temple. He sort of tries to restore the priesthood, and, and then this, this crescendo in his ministry or in his, in his dynasty and, and rulership is that the book of the law is found when the temple's being cleared and cleansed and, and, and revitalized. And then they, they read the book of the law in the hearing of the king. And he's just, he's so overwhelmed by the sinfulness of his people. He tears his robes and he immediately gathers his people. And like they were supposed to do every year, he read the whole book of the law, the whole covenant of God before the people. And everyone agreed, we need to repent. We need to obey. It's, it's what I'm trying to underscore is that there was never a king like Josiah. Remember, David... He's not engaged in a battle he's supposed to be involved in. And here, Josiah, the tragic end of this revivalist, this wholehearted lover of God, we see at the end of his story, because he engages in a battle the Lord did not call him to enter, it cost him his life. Again, not engaging a battle you're supposed to be in and engaging a battle you're not called to. Look at how the story of Josiah ends. After he's wholehearted, after he removes idols and altars, after he restores the covenant, he's unbelievable. I'm trying to underscore that if you read the passage in 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles. He celebrates the Passover, that story of God's rescuing Israel from slavery and bondage in Egypt. He's done everything right up to this point. And then it says this, in 2 Chronicles 35, the Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. After all of this, when Josiah had set the temple in order, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah marched out to meet him in battle. 
But Necho sent messengers to him, saying, What quarrel is there, king of Judah, between you and me? It is not you I am attacking at this time, but the house with which I am at war. God, this is a foreign king, the king of Egypt, God has told me to hurry, so stop opposing God, who is with me, or he will destroy you. Second Chronicles goes on in verse 20. After all of this, Josiah, he'd set the temple in order. Necho king went up to fight, right? And then it says this in verse 22. Josiah, however, would not turn away from him, but disguised himself to engage him in battle. He would not listen to what Necho had said at God's command, but went to fight him on the plain of Megiddo. Archers shot King Josiah, and he told his officers, Take me away, I'm badly wounded. So they took him out of the chariot, put him on the other chariot, brought him to Jerusalem where he died. And he was buried in the tombs of his ancestors. And Jeremiah composes, the prophet composes a lament. I mean, this tragic end to this unprecedented king after King David. And both of these stories represent like the tension of the hour. To ignore the battle God is calling us or calling you to engage in or to engage in an unauthorized battle that the Lord has not called you to engage in. Both will destroy you and will destroy me. And both have unbelievable consequences. Now there's this middle place that you and I, that's, that's, that's a rampant choice in our day and that's just to self-medicate, to be self-absorbed, so that we're, we're not aware of, of the battle we're called to or the battle we're not called to. Where we're just, we've just sold the farm. We're like, you know what? Uh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and I'm just going to hold on. And we just get lost in our, our Netflix binges and our spending and our consuming. And we just, and, and, and we just want to play it safe. I don't, I don't really care about the battle. And, and what we'll find by the end of this talk here in a few minutes is that's not really an option. That's our slow demise in death because we were made for the battle. We were made to participate in God's purposes. But to discern what those are is really the key. And so we see King David, after his son Solomon with the kingdom split north and south, we see the effects of his sin and the brokenness of his family line. And, and because he's at home in the springtime when kings are supposed to be at war. And then we see Josiah. God didn't ignore all of his obedience, all of his radical repentance, all of his radical turning, all the Passover, the, 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 the reinstallation of, of, of the law and the covenant and the cleansing of the temple. That moved the Lord's heart, but he's engaged in a battle the Lord didn't tell him to fight in. And unfortunately, it cost him his life. And so here we are, 2020. If you're watching this, I'm, I'm assuming most of you are in America, and there's there are so many cries from various battlefields that are pulling at our attention. And what I just want to encourage you pastorally is to press into God's heart. Ask him the question, God, where are you calling me to fight? Where are you calling me to engage? What burden are you wanting me to carry with you in this hour? And, and these questions are so important because of our limited capacity. We don't have unlimited uh, brain space or emotional space or, 
or resources. And so it's so important in Ephesians 5, it says to be wise, to make the most of every opportunity, to understand what the Lord's will is for the hour, for the season that you're in so that you can make the most of every single opportunity. Like it's so important to have discernment in this hour. We cannot afford to be engaged in battles the Lord has not called us to. And we can't afford to sit on the sidelines when the Lord has called us into the battle with him. Friends, this is the big idea right here. So I want to end hopefully very, very practically. um, And just to give us some some walking points um, from here on out. So how do I know what battle I'm supposed to engage in? Um, number one, I would say this, I would say this because we live in a culture where we are bombarded with facts or false facts or narratives or stories is the battle you feel called to cannot solely be dependent upon what you see or hear with your natural eyes or ears. In other words, it's easy to scroll through your Facebook or your, the news feed or, and to see various things that are, that are rampant with injustice and, and hatred and violence and, um, you know, just the effects of, of casting off the restraints of God's righteousness. And it's easy to be driven by what we see or hear in the natural. And then we engage in that fight and find, oh my gosh, I'm not equipped. And it, it swallows you up in the beast, in, in, its, in its belly, as a beast. And so number one discernment is that if, if God's calling you into a battle, it can't just be born out of what you see in the natural. It's got to be born in the heart of God. I have to say this just right now. This is like the, the, money, the money line. Um, the greatest weapon that you or I can enter into any battle God calls us to is the weapon of wholeheartedness and love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like there's no sense in going to fight a battle out there if that battle for your heart and fidelity to the gospel and that you would ob- abide in Christ, that you would adhere to the teaching and the way of life of Christ, that you would put that first commandment first to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. The greatest weapon you or I could bring to any battlefield is, is wholeheartedness. As weak as our love feels, or at times it can seem inconsistent or, or small, but that, that posture and that constant repositioning of our hearts to be wholehearted, to, to steward that love and, and, and fidelity and obedience to the Lord, this is the greatest weapon you can bring to any battlefield. So, so you can't just be driven by what you see or by what you hear. That's not necessarily the indication that of that being the battle or the fight that the Lord has called you to. It must be born in the heart of God. And the assignment cannot just be something that you got from social media or your newsfeed. Now, your burden can start by what you see or hear, don't get me wrong, but it cannot be sustained by that. It will be something, number two, that you cannot shake, bury, or put aside. So what is that thought, that thing? Maybe it's rebuilding the, the foundations or, or, or righteousness in your family or, or for America. Maybe it's uh, passion for injustice and racial reconciliation. Maybe it's for um, you know, um, 
the unborn and maybe it's for marriage. I don't know what it's for for you, but many times to discern that battle or that fight that the Lord has called you to, to participate in, it's something you can't shake. Like it doesn't matter if it's been out of the news feed for the three-week news cycle. It's something that continues to resurface in your heart, your mind, your imagination, your prayer life. You could see it in the scriptures. It's something that, that you can't shake. That's a good indicator. Number two. Number three, it will come with practical steps of engagement. So the Lord shares his heart for, with us, and then he's faithful to give us a next step. You may not have 50 steps of how to tease out that battle or that burden, but you'll at least have one. Let me give you an example. Um, if your assignment is, is an issue of justice, you'll at least sign up to serve at the food pantry for the poor. Like if it's, if it's to intercede to for God's purposes to prevail in, in America, you'll at least have grace to enter into 20 minutes a day of intercession. Like your assignment will come with a step to carry it out. This is a way, a good way to discern if the battle or the assignment is from the Lord or from, from some other voice. Number four, there will be a clear partnership with the Lord in the battle he calls you to. This is so important. Like the battle is the Lord's. Say that with me. The battle is the Lord's. And so, so one of the ways you'll, you'll be able to discern if you're engaged in a fight and a battle the Lord's called you to is you'll have a sense of his nearness and his presence. Even if it's in tears, even if it's in weeping, even if it is, you know, fighting the sense of powerlessness or hopelessness or whatever thing the Lord's called you to stand in the gap for in this season, but he'll still reveal his nearness because he doesn't share a burden with you that he doesn't care, that he doesn't intend to carry with you. That's so important in this hour, the sense of partnering with the Lord. Number five, it's paramount that you connect with others that are carrying a similar burden. It's so important that you don't assume because you have that battle or burden that that's everyone else's. And so in the kingdom of God, we need grace for each other. We need, we need to be hospitable, gracious, and encouraging, and, and the ability to be confident in ourselves, to be able to say, you know what, sister, you know what, brother, that's not my battle, but I can hear you out and encourage you to fight the good fight of faith, that task that the Lord has placed before you. But I would encourage you, if you have a burden for any of the things I've mentioned, or you're, you're in that battle, is, is reach out and find others to fight with you. Because it can feel lonely. As, as much as the presence of the Lord is with you, it's still the Lord releases his presence and provision in a, an increased way when we do it with each other. We battle with each other. Amen. For mutual encouragement. And then number six, the only way to engage any external battle or assignment is to have sustained, consistent victory over the inner battle for your heart. This should have been number one, and I kind of alluded to it, that wholeheartedness is the greatest tool, the greatest weapon for any assignment, task, burden, or battle the Lord's calling you or me into. That wholeheartedness. What's so easy, and, and you can read this about reformers, and, 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 and you see it in Josiah, and you see it in David, and you've, you can see it in those who have fought good fights, but who have struggled along the way when they, they fail to keep their heart Proverbs 4.23, with all diligence, is that usually there's something internally that diffuses or defeats that purpose as rooted in righteousness as it may have been, as 
as as dripping with the presence and power of God as it may have been, those things are usually aborted or 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 fail or fade or fizzle because of something on the inside of the one who you who is engaged in the battle. In other words, it's easy to get engaged externally and then to lose sight of maintaining your heart, your character, like fit, like abiding in Jesus, feasting and being nurtured and nourished on his word and the truth and the gospel. Friends, this is so important for the days that we're in, in the battle with the Lord and the burden that the Lord wants you to fight in and to carry with him in this season. The Bible is very clear. We can gain the whole world. We can we can even demolish strongholds, principalities, and powers and, and still lose our soul in the process. And friends, that's the this last warning here is to keep your heart, keep your heart. Um, I, I, I texted my one of my mentors and spiritual fathers, Pastor Corey Jones from Fort Worth, Texas, and I just I, I laid out this message to him, and I said, "Man, how do you, how would you help people discern what that battle is?" And I love it. I'm, I'm just going to read it here. He um, he texted. Um, I'd say that in light of all your questions, Chad. Here's my answer. This is a direct quote. My father is always working to this very day, and so I too am working, referring to Jesus. The son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. Our reference point is never the battle or the burden, but our relationship to the father, being close enough to him to hear his voice. (laughs) That's a pretty good battle strategy, if you ask me. Your greatest weapon is to be wholehearted. And then here's what I put um, in light of that. It is from this place of friendship and fellowship with the Lord, which is our primary aim and task in whatever season or fight we're called to. It's fellowship and friendship with God, period. That the Lord will let us know what battle to fight in. You see those three F's. Friendship and fellowship with the Lord. Through the word, through prayer, through worship, through a lifestyle of sacrifice and obedience, hospitality, generosity, being a disciple of Christ. Friendship and fellowship that the Lord will show us what to fight for, who to fight with, and how to engage the battle that he's calling us into. Most causes that start out in the spirit or for the kingdom They do not stall, flop, or fail because of external opposition, but because of self-destruction or implosion. So maintaining this posture of intimacy is what will sustain the urgency of the hour for God's people to engage in the fight of faith and those battlefields that he's called us to walk in in a spirit of humility, love, and boldness, courage, and conviction, and compassion. Amen. So, what's your battle? What's your burden? Ask the Holy Spirit. The fact is that God's people cannot afford, we cannot afford to bury our head in the sand. Like I said, to choose to ignore the battles and the call is a slow and boring death. You can gain the whole world but lose your soul. We were meant to to partner with the Lord and seeing the knowledge of his glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. We were meant to declare Ephesians 3.10 to the principalities and powers what God the Father has accomplished in and through his son, Jesus Christ.
we were meant to take every thought captive, fighting not with weapons of, of the flesh, but spiritual weapons to pull down strongholds and to see them come into submission under the reality of Jesus Christ. This is what we were made for, to see the redemption, the renewal, and the reconciling love of Jesus permeate your life, your family, your friendship, your neighborhood, your workplace, our cities, our region, and the nations of the earth. We were meant, we have a task. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, join with me as a good soldier in Christ. Don't get entangled. Don't lose your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. Stay tender. Stay fresh. Stay full of faith. Stay in the word. And then, son, stay engaged in the fight. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Press into his heart. Friendship and fellowship so you'll know how and where to fight. What's your battle? Don't be like David hanging out on your roof in springtime when you're supposed to be on the field. And don't be like Josiah, engaging in battles the Lord has not called you into. But stay right here, out of intimacy and friendship with the Lord, abiding and obeying Jesus. He wants to share his heart with you, friends. And when he does that, he'll release the resources, the strength, the guidance and encouragement necessary, and a community to carry it with you because the battle is the Lord's. Let those battles, those things that he wants to place in your heart, let them arise from a place of friendship and fellowship with him because it's only in and through him that we'll see victory in the end. Father, I pray right now for blessing over your people, for strengthening, for grace, for courage, for conviction. I pray that you would strengthen those things you're calling your people to fight for in the spirit of Jesus and the boldness and the righteousness of Christ. Father, those areas that we're passionate about, I pray that you'd lose resources, strategies, a next step to engage with you, Jesus, to see the justice and righteousness of which your throne, upon which your throne is established, established in our lives, families, cities, churches, and in our nation, in the nations of the earth. Lord, I pray that you would just right now speak to your people a word of encouragement and a word of summons. I've got a battle for you. Will you join me? Lord, make it clear. Free us from being entangled in lesser things than what you're calling us into for this hour. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'd love to hear the way the Lord spoke to you through this, this talk. I'd love to hear the battle. We need to hear from each other. And just to understand that that discernment process is best done with an open Bible and an open heart and in a community of people that are aiming and oriented around Jesus and who are seeking first his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So reach out if you need connection or a next step maybe in your walk with the Lord. We love you. Bless you. Thanks for tuning in.